What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get the Net. And damn, I hate starting with what's up. You know, it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, no one's going to answer. You're either sitting in your car or killing some time at work, or maybe you're maybe you're lucky enough to be on the deck of the bass boat. But um, I need something better to uh, to address you guys with. So I've been thinking a little bit. Um, you know, like low budget live has the low lifers. Our guest tonight, Ben Milliken, has the MFers which is the most badass one you can get. Um, the best I can come up with is net men, net man, you know, however you want to say, it. I don't really think it's going to work. Like I'd have to say net woman too. Um, I, I really don't think it's going to work. I think we're going to have to go back to the drawing board on this one. Uh, we probably could say it though. I, I was going through the analytics on the last episode and it said a hundred percent male listener. Um, but that's fine. Ashley will be happy about that. My wife, um, you know, not that it really matters anyway. Like I don't even have to wear a wedding ring. I, uh, I, this is a true story. I lost mine in the couch like five years ago. We've been married for six and, uh, I don't even get questioned. Like, where's your ring? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, I just look at her like I'm 23 pounds over the BMI. I wear white new balance runners. I have a do it yourself haircut and I got celery sticks for arms. We just look at each other like, yeah, you don't need a ring. Stick around. And Ben Milliken's coming up next. Welcome to Get the Net, a fishing podcast that takes a deep dive into competitive events, fishing news, tips, tactics, and most importantly, interviews with some of the most interesting and in-tuned anglers from Canada to the central U.S. We're leaving no stone unturned to bring you the most raw and authentic talk talk. My name is Jamie Bruce. While my resume says bass, my frying pan says walleye, I'm no stranger to the multi-species realm. Whether you're puttering on tackle, driving the bus, cutting the grass, or killing time in a 9 to 5, I'll try to give you something in every episode to take with you on the water, or at the very least, bring you a few laughs. What's going on, man? What's going on, dude? Got her all figured? I got her figured out, I hope. We'll see. Yeah, sweet, bud. Sounding pretty clear on my end. Good, good. The last dude I had, I was uh, interviewing from a, he was in a mine up north, and it just sounded like (laughs) talking through a cup phone, and I got lots of hate mail over it, so glad to hear you coming through clear. (laughs) That's funny. No, no mines this time. Okay, good. What, are you in a hotel? No, I'm in my house right now, my office. Nice one. Okay, man, well, uh, thanks for coming on, dude. You bet. I'm pumped. I appreciate yeah. you reaching out. Yeah, that's cool. You're actually the first um, first guest where I've like just thrown a random Instagram message at, uh, you know. And and when I sent it, I actually didn't even remember. I just was like, oh, I'll uh, I'll try this. I'll send it. And you know, someone who's got like as many fans and followers as you are, like that's like throwing a snowball into the fire. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got back to me. So right on, man. We're uh, we're happy to have you. Hell yeah. I'm excited, man. I've been listening to the podcast um, on and off now, a handful of episodes, and I really like it. So I was definitely down. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, definitely a tire pump to hear. For sure, man. You must get hit, hit up a bunch for these things, though, hey? A decent amount, yeah. It's weird because it seems like uh, every time I go on, like, one of the bigger podcasts, they all message me, like, the same week to go on. And it'll go like nine months. I will, I like talk to all those guys just on and off, but then 
all at once they'll all want me to go on. It's it's strange how it works. So this is the uh, first time that hasn't happened. It's been interesting. Do you uh, do you ever vet them or do you just go on all of them? Well, I I, I haven't been asked by a ton of small ones, uh, but yeah, I vet them for sure. I definitely went and checked yours out first before I said anything, of course. <laughs> Make I was sure like, I've never, I've never heard of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I never heard of this podcast, and I go on and see that Fighter and Gussie and Robertson, they've all been on there. It's nuts, man. It's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool that that actually worked. That was the theory. I was like, well, these guys just kind of threw me a bone. You know, they helped. They just all hopped on, and like Pat had me on his, and um, yeah, now it seems to be the thing. Like everyone just checks it out, and for sure, like oh, he didn't ruin their careers, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll be fine. No, man, I'm I'm excited. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, bud. Um, so shit, I didn't really, uh, I didn't introduce you yet. I'm assume like I only got a handful of like listeners, so I'm assuming most of them know who you are, but. Um, We've got Ben Milliken here, uh, you know, probably best known as uh, as a major name and and personality in you know YouTube fishing or in that fishing realm. Um, but there's a lot more to it, I think, that we got to delve into. Just saying that you're a big you're big on YouTube. I already kind of dug you a hole where you've got to explain yourself out. Of oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, cause you're one of those guys where it's like, yeah, he's big on YouTube, but he can actually catch the shit out of them. Yeah. I mean, being the a best fisherman on YouTube is like being the fastest person without legs or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's pretty impressive too. I would. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I, you must be the best fisherman on YouTube, like the original YouTuber. Now you got like a million bass angles. You know, everyone's everyone tells them you got to be on YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. Reluctantly tying FG knots and lots of monotone robot-like personalities. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting to see how everything has evolved and how it continues to always evolve and how uh, there there was like the the big clash it, i seemed like it seemed like for years with between the the pro tournament anglers and the youtube anglers where they both hated each other or whatever i don't think the people on youtube really hated anybody in professional fishing but there's definitely a lot of animosity from the the professional tournament dudes towards youtubers and i totally get that man and it's it's uh a check to the ego when when you see someone that knows very little about fishing having a successful career giving people advice about fishing uh, and then it's hard. One of some of the pro anglers go and start a YouTube channel, you know, and it's the, has a hard time getting off the ground, getting a lot of traction. So I can understand where the animosity came from, but now it's it's kind of all leveled itself off. There's so many. Uh, it seems like everyone that fishes tournaments or or the majority of guys that fish tournaments at least want to have a camera going somewhere in the boat, uh, and so the, the the content is just endless and always increasing so greatly yeah but the you know the guys like you that had some insight and uh you know could kind of see the where everything was going like now you're kicking the shit out of everyone on there you i'm sure you have <laughs> pro bass anglers asking you all the time like you know how do i do this how do i do this and how do i do that and uh you know for you kind of sticking your neck out there i don't know how long you've been at it for um, but you know, for sticking your neck out there, um, 
early on and, you know, hitting it hard, it, it seems to have worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, for sure. I was lucky enough to start early. I've been doing it full time now for about six years, I think. Uh, so long time, a lot of videos and uh, a lot of time put into it for sure. But I, I definitely got lucky to get in when I did because it's so saturated now that uh, it, it's like I said, it, it constantly evolves the, the entire fishing sector of the youtube yeah yeah um man you do it all too you got a bunch of different like <laughs> you know you're fishing out of culverts or whatever kind yeah. of green water and i see yeah, you moved down to texas now i don't know where you were before but it looked like somewhere pretty fieldy yeah i uh, i'm from omaha nebraska grew up there um lived there me and my wife both lived in omaha our entire lives up until uh, about 18 months ago we made the move down to texas down in uh, the houston area texas so is there a, lot a of flatter my... place than omaha on earth is there a flatter place yeah uh, like, isn't that like dead center punch well, of the prairie? omaha at least has some hills because it's by the river and stuff but an hour west it's seven hours of flatness west of there so yeah very okay. flat, very few places with legitimate fishing. I think Nebraska might be the worst state in the country for, for fishing. Um, all species yeah. all around, I would say, for sure. So, yeah, a, a lot of my content, even though I have been fishing tournaments since 2007, I think, 2006, um, a lot of my content was all the multi-species stuff because that's what was available. And the, the bass fishing was really only decent for three or four months of the year. And the rest of the time I just had to either travel to bass fish and have it be any good or do all the other stuff. But um, definitely realized really early on that the market for bank fishing and the multi-species fishing is substantially larger than people that are super uh, curious about tournament bass fishing. So that's something that I really incorporated to grow my audience from the start. Yeah. Well, you know who really likes tournament bass fishing? Who's tournament that? bass fishermen. And that's <laughs> exactly. <it>. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good point. Their family and the, you know, some of the people in the towns they come from. We've got that's a little right. bit of a, a different dynamic up here because not many Canadians get to do it. So we get a little more pull. Of um, course. But yeah, man, that's a, that's a pretty narrowed down, uh, little market definitely out there it is it's uh and it's something that where i was i grew up multi-species fishing but then like i said got so heavy in the bass tournaments from like 2008 to 2016 17 that once you're so dialed into the the tournament scene you kind of forget that anything else exists really when in reality the tournament stuff is i mean probably less than five percent of the industry uh, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, so you were pretty hard at the tournament scene, like on your way up. I, I just did a quick search. Yeah. I didn't realize you were like, you know, part of the college deal. I was talking to Austin Felix and he, uh, you know, he spoke really highly of you and, uh, you know, said, said that he kind of met you back in the college fishing days. And I, uh, I creeped you on, uh, the F MLF website, whatever it was. And, uh, saw you uh you were hard at that for a bit yeah definitely um started a college fishing team um at university of nebraska at omaha uh i you went started. to university 
Yeah, started it there. I went to University of Nebraska in Lincoln, which is what everyone knows as Nebraska, for a year. And, and my buddy had started the team there the year before. And I actually, I transferred and played college baseball for two years at a community college. And then I went to UNO, Nebraska, Omaha, started the college team there. And yeah, got deep into it. And I mean, that was college fishing was a lot different animal back then in 2010, 11, 12, 13, when I was doing it much different than it is now. Um, much smaller for sure. And I don't know, substantially less teams, but that's, yeah, that's where I met Austin Felix actually was, was through the college stuff. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's cool. And then did you like, did you pursue it after? Like, did yes. you hop in some, some bigger tournaments or? So my, my, so the deal then was, um, we actually weren't allowed to trailer boats through our, our school's weird club insurance policy. And so we ended up trailering boats once in a while and said we didn't, but usually we would, uh, they FLW used to supply boats, but they only had 50 available, 50 team spots available for each tournament. And so, um, we were only fishing like three college tournaments a year, but where, where I'm going with that is I was fishing like 20 local cl- uh, club stuff and just open jackpot stuff, 20 tournaments a year, uh, outside of the college stuff. And that's, that's Shit. something that never, never slowed down or stopped or, or anything throughout college. And then afterwards as well. Yeah. That's doing her mm-hmm. hard in the paint. Um, and they yeah, like for sure. Yeah, that was a nightmare, man. But we tried all the ways to get around that and work with the university, and they just we could never figure it out. So, I think now, as big as college fishing's gotten, uh, there. I mean, when we went to the club person island and told them the the club director lady told her that we want to start a fishing club, I mean, it was just like, you want to what? But uh, I think now they'd be a little more receptive to it. I have actually heard of a couple other schools ran into the same issues with the no trailering policy, which is just bizarre. But um, yeah, now that there's thousands of college teams, I think we could have pointed to that and uh, had a little better luck. Did you watch the, uh, did you watch the classic brass bracket a couple weeks ago? So I, I flipped it on a few times. I was busy all weekend, but yeah, I'd watch probably a half hour each day. Yeah, so that um, I think Lou Minetti, whatever school he came from, must have had a no trailering policy too, because it looked like he towed it there upside down <laughs> on the road, <laughs> looking at his that boat. boat was, like, dude, that was badass. That was cool. He won like that. I yeah, man, on, it looked uh, like a family of dumpsters is in there tearing up his seats. Yeah, <laughs> everyone <laughs> loves that. There's no one watching that that wasn't like, you know, yeah, try to win. Well, that's that's the funny thing. So then, as uh, my college career went on. We, we actually, we, we qualified for, so we went to Lake of the Ozarks. We got like second there and that was the division. And then the regional was at uh, Detroit river and we got third or second there. I beat Austin Felix that tournament, by the way, he, that's probably the only time I ever have or ever will. But, uh, and then we went to the national championship and you could bring your boats to that. And so you could have a local provide your boat or you could take your own. So my boat was super unreliable. I had a piece of shit old javelin 20 footer with a Evinrude Ficht on it. If you know anything about the Ficht motors, they all blew up. Uh, And mine was just in the shop constantly. And so it was at Lake Kiwi in South Carolina. I was like, I'm not towing this piece of shit 20 hours for it not to work. So we get to the ramp and we get 
paired up with our local boater. And of course it's this old boy with like a 17 foot boat with hardly any electronics, like a 150 Johnson old worn out boat. And everyone yeah, else has old V four or something. Exactly. Someone else has, everyone else has dad's boat, you know, the freaking brand new Skeeter Rangers blasting past us, but it actually ended up good. We, we got a top 10 in that tournament and that guy was cool as hell. And, you know, we just roughed it, man. Everywhere we started, I didn't come from any money. We didn't, we didn't have any money or anything. I always grew up fishing in piece of shit boats and <sighs> spending all that time traveling around to the local tournaments, not knowing if I was going to be able to afford to be able to get gas to come home and shit if I didn't cash a check to the next tournament or, or what. But man, yeah, that always makes the best anglers, though. Absolutely, like, man. It's kind of, I mean, probably have beaten this into the ground to a fault on this on this podcast. But like, you know, you, when you're the underdog, you've got kind of the support of people around you. Um, you know, the well emotional support, not the not the pocketbook. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it just seems like it makes you fish harder. Yeah, for sure. I think it makes you. It made me uh, a lot more of a hustler too, and so I think that's what. I really like when I saw the opportunity on YouTube arise, I was just like, I I'm all in. I got to do this. Yeah. Cause you don't stop on there. Like you're pumping one a week is kind of like the baseline. Mm-hmm. You're you're ripping like four or five. Yeah, for sure. When I first started, I was doing six or seven a week um, for the first couple of years and then like five or six every week. And now that I'm down in Texas, it's a little bit different because uh, all my fisheries that are any good are like two hours to three hours away from me so it's okay. unfortunately it's taking a lot of my time so now it's like three or four videos a week otherwise i'll be putting a lot more out but yeah man uh that's it's a lot of videos i can't believe it's been like six years already i've been doing it yeah and i don't think people realize like how much work it is to do a video mm-hmm. like it's not you know it's not just fishing and turn the gopro on and it's done like i i know you've got a guy that follows you around now but you're probably like not counting fishing what like eight to ten man hours into every video yeah so i mean it just it depends on how long the the edit is and everything like that and and all that but yeah like i said i mean i'm usually spending at least eight hours in the water and, and then after that it's however long it takes me to edit and get the footage imported for him as well so yeah yeah so it's a lot of time man yeah yeah, no, and there's lots of stuff that people don't think about too, like all the optimization and all that stuff. Um, I don't want to nerd you out on YouTube too much here. I know no, you because you're, awesome you're like you're like the the bass anglers YouTuber, you know, the pro <laughs> bass anglers YouTuber. Uh, well, that's, you're the that's one. cool of you to say that. It makes sense though, doesn't it? Like if uh, you know, like I saw you were on like BTL and Straycast and all that. Typically, they're not going to have YouTubers on there, but you're like the you're the guy they can relate to the most because you, you yeah know, you've been around the scene and then you seem to have this thing dialed in. Um, yeah, it's it's cool that they again just like you give me the opportunity to go on there. It means a lot because my heroes are all the tournament guys, and that's what I follow and spend my time on. And so uh, it, it has always been a weird dynamic and kind of a chip on my shoulder that i get classified as like a youtube social media guy because i know the caliber of fishermen that most of those dudes are um but uh yeah i think over time it's uh it's kind of really come out that i can fish a little bit and so it's cool that i've been able to go on and i think the move to texas has helped a lot too i think 
when I was yeah. just consistently catching five, six pounders in Nebraska and Iowa and Missouri area. I don't think people understood that those were the biggest fish in the lake. Uh, and so yeah. now that I get to kind of target some of the seven to 15 pounders down here consistently, I think people are noticing a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Your stuff, like when I first saw you, it was when you guys were blowing out that, uh, that wild lake in Texas, that OHI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that must've been like a big, I mean, you must've got some attention for that. Cause shit was hitting the fan there with big bass. Like, insane. yeah, man, it, it was wild that we exposed that place like that. Uh, that was just, it was the craziest story and situation down there when that happened. And yeah, I de- definitely got a lot of traction and, and, and interest after that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. If you haven't watched, you know, anyone listening, if you haven't seen any of this dial up, uh, Ben Milliken fishing, I don't know, whatever, bunch of like 15 pound bass. <laughs> yeah, 60 pound limit. It was crazy. Yeah. You were on the live scope before, like even a bunch of tournament guys were, which yep. was, uh, you know, you seem to have that thing pretty dialed in for whatever reason up, you know, where I'm at, I'm in, uh, in northwestern ontario like i'm in the middle of nowhere i'm not in like cupcake like chris and Corey cooper gallant um yeah you know cupcake canada area like i'm up in gussie country like we're you know we're far away from civilization right uh, from yeah you know big metropolis or anything like that and yeah. the live scope kind of took off here a little bit before a lot of other places too interesting um, that's cool so I, you know i was watching you and watching you scoping and then you'd see a bunch of tournament, like, you know, you'd watch Bass Live and like guys that didn't have any live scope restrictions still weren't running it. But you, you seem to jump on that sucker pretty early. Yeah, I was lucky enough. I went and fished with Oliver Nye out in California, and I don't think he knew much about it when he had it out there uh, either. But we actually uh, we were fishing trophy bass lakes, but we it, I mean, it's swim bait stuff and California's shitty now. It's not good like everyone thinks it is. Right. Um, and so we were struggling and it was just like, well, this lake's got giant crappie in it too. Let's go mess with some crappie. And, uh, so we go back in the pocket and there's crappie and schools just blasting around. And that's when we started really using it. And it was wild catching two to three pound crappie, uh, every cast and falling school around. And so I, I literally ordered a live scope before I left. I mean, I was with him for three days and I ordered it and had it overnight to my house as I left his house so I could have it for my tournament that weekend. And of course, because I had a piece of shit boat and do things half-ass and, and everything, uh, put it on the boat, couldn't figure it out, couldn't run the wires and through the gunnel and shit right, and yeah. didn't have it for the tournament. It didn't work, but we, we won the <laughs> tournament anyways, so that was good, and it probably wouldn't have helped us. But yeah, ever, ever since then, man, um, I, I definitely have had a lot of learning moments with it and s- figured out some things that have make it have made it just incredible and uh yeah i i feel like i'm pretty proficient at it these days now yeah and i mean as sad as it is like you know in the in the tournament bass fishing world like the better you are on that thing the better you are yeah for sure you know most of the time yeah no and and like lou won that classic bracket without it he didn't have it on his boat um exactly but yeah, I mean, that was kind of painful to watch. Uh, I mean, it was his, he was awesome what he caught, but 
watching all those guys freaking blasting like less than one pound spotted bass on drop shots at a brush pile. It's like, oh my god, this is it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I was just doing that at Hartwell, so I was into it. I was, of like, course, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. That's a, oh, that one might be a one eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It would yeah, yeah, was, it'd be uh, more exciting if like you could see the live scope screen and see 300 little one pound bass all shoot down after. Exactly. The... Exactly. I actually, I, I had a, a video where I did a live video three and a half hours long on YouTube where I had my screen and my live scope up the whole time. And nice. uh, it was incredible. We, I blasted like 35 fish and most of them were over five pounds. And um, I, my something screwed up now with my plug in the back of my Garmin that I can't, record anymore so i don't know i guess i gotta buy a new freaking 16 inch screen <laughs> yeah get the wallet out i actually yeah, exactly. uh, i never do it in the like in open water videos but we always have it on and for ice fishing videos oh yeah yeah you know, people people won't watch an ice fishing video without it yep uh, not anymore. You know, can, so that's that's can... a big thing with me too that uh started with my channel I, I did a lot of ice fishing videos um so i'm that's something that i think People don't realize uh, how much better you can get with electronics and just understanding how what fish look like coming in and out of the, the beam and everything on, on on live scope and just your regular flasher and everything that can help you so much open water as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that too. Like, um, you know, I'm up in frozen hell here where winter's six months long and our bass season's only four months long uh, all year. So we're, you know, hunched over staring at a screen the rest of the winter. And like even before live scope, just on like flashers, you just you got used to like looking at the whole column, and you'd see like a little a super faint flicker mm-hmm. that you know anyone like people that aren't you know or flipping docks or whatever all winter or doing cool stuff. I don't think you can flip docks in the winter, but um, anyway, it, you just kind of get used to that. And you don't realize it, and you just kind of subconsciously take that onto the water with you. Yep, like, for sure. So. Even though you're out there getting meat, you're still learning. Exactly. Did you ice fish a bunch in Nebraska? Well, our season was weird in Nebraska. Some years it would be like three months long, and some years it would be like a week. And that, I don't know, it got shorter and shorter all the time with the, I don't know, global warming or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we would we would travel quite a bit too. Um, South Dakota has great ice fishing, and then we got on some some stuff in Wyoming. The last couple of years I lived there, that was incredible with some giant trout that lived in some of those lakes out there that are super vast and remote and beautiful and just wild out there yeah that's cool man a one week ice fishing season that sounds perfect yeah it would be perfect except it was like one week at the start of january but then the water was under 40 degrees and like stained and shitty until like mid-march so from like late October until mid-March, fishing was just awful and you couldn't catch them hardly at all. I mean, it was like you had to like drag like a bitsy bug with like a tiny chunk trailer around to try to get one or two largemouth bites a day type of thing. So really, we wanted nope. ice fishing as quick as possible once the, the water started cooling down to, for content purposes, not have to travel all over the place. But yeah, that's, that was the, the terrible thing. Um, about the short ice fishing season for the the content side of stuff yeah no i hear that and i mean there's a compromise to anywhere you live you know mm-hmm. definitely huh um that's a false people up here don't understand like 
like I said, I was just down on Hartwell for that open. Um, and like, that's absolute top titty season up here. Like, you know, tournaments are taking 21 pounds to be one. And the guy in 20th place has 17. Like it's, yeah, of course. Know, yep. and, and catching a hundred bass a day. And they're like, what the hell is wrong with Lake Hartwell? Like, you're happy with catching 13 pounds. <laughs> like yep. they don't get why it gets so bad in the fall. And like the same thing, like on Sam Rayburn this weekend, all the boys are down there for the open. Is oh, that going to be like, I've, I went there in October. Uh, I rode Gussie's coattails down there and did the co-anglers thing on the FLW tour back when they had the opens. And it was like, I caught six bass out of, you know, a 10 bass limit in two days. And, and got a check and he caught like six pounds a day and got the last check. Like, why is it so bad? I don't know. I, I honestly hate that lake more than anything, <laughs> uh, which sucks because that's where you make money down here and can fish big local tournaments uh, yeah. every weekend or every other weekend. I, I am as a live scope guy. Um, I cannot stand that lake. It, there's so many carp and gar and catfish and yellow bass that you I can't figure. I can't. I can differentiate them everywhere else, but there. Every time I drop yeah. the trolling motor, it's like there's seven different species, and none of them are bass on the best looking spots in the lake. And I just, I don't know. It's it's good. Uh, like in June when it's post spawn, May and June post spawn when they first get out deep, and it's good in the dead of winter when they get in drains there, which is weird. They don't relate to high hard spots. They relate to um, empty depressions and that are like a mile long and, and everywhere it's the weirdest hmm. damn lake in the country and i'd hate it <laughs> yeah oh man i'm gonna have to alert uh one of our one of our guys from up here ted stooner um he's dominant on the deep fishing thing he pretty much was like the father of that you know demiki rig moping technique nice. yeah um, so he's been going down to lake havasu and kicking the shit out of everyone in these local tournaments the last few years in the winter and this year he's like i'm going to texas <laughs> mm. well so i wouldn't fish electronics and vertical guy, so he's probably going to be frustrated on some of them uh some of them well by I, I didn't get to go experience it but rayburn i guess the winter stuff is is pretty cool for for live scope and drains there can be like okay. schools of five hundred thousand fish um just suspended but oh, it's hard to find big ones for sure always there but I mean, if he's just going to come to Texas, there's a lot of great places to fish in Texas in the winter, but that lake is not my favorite. That's for sure. Yeah. He's probably just going there. Like this guy's out for blood. He, he's retired and he just loves the competitive side. So that's cool. Yeah. Like, you know, wherever has the most tournaments. Yeah. Well, between there and Toledo, I'm sure in the winter, there's going to be a lot. Oh yeah. I saw Toledo on a schedule. Was it NPFL? One of those schedules. Toledo's on in the open schedule. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. That lake's changed eight. a lot too. Yeah, I I actually fished with uh, when I was down in Texas with Ray Hanselman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he was, and he was like a full time. Oh no, that was Amistad. I'm confusing yep. him. Okay, yeah. I'm mixing them together. My How bad. was that fishing Amistad oh. with Ray Hanselman? Would be pretty badass. Well, I fished. Uh, I fished Sam Rayburn with him. Oh, but for, okay. yeah, for whatever reason, I thought he was a guide on Toledo, but I guess it was Amistad. And that's on a schedule, too. I think that's on. Eh, maybe it's not. I don't know. They all just. I bet, it, I bet it's not. It's crazy low right now. It's like 70 feet low. It's still deep, but there's just hardly any water. 
yeah probably probably not a derby there then probably there's local ones i'm sure but not not a big national huh is he like a texas legend hanselman oh dude like i said i've been here for a year and a half i don't know shit about texas but <laughs> other than fishing around i'm i think he's a legend just because of following tournament fishing and what he did in the ever starts that year uh that yeah. was incredible that was all, uh, probably all never be done three, again all three in the series and then won the championship and he won all four tournaments completely different ways yeah and the championship was on a shithole like uh one of those brutal rivers it wasn't it was on the Ohio, but it was behind Kentucky Lake, which has some badass smallmouth fishing. Still, I think. He okay. ran way up there, I think. But yeah, I mean, he, he beat everyone else that qualified. It was crazy. Man, best guy to have, like, if you're a co-angler, that's the best guy you could possibly draw to. I would say so. Yeah, he's the nicest guy. He's a full-time guide, so he just <laughs> treats you <laughs> like yeah, he, was... he gets it. Oh yeah, he was tanning my ass just flipping, uh, flipping hydrilla. Um, hmm. You know, he just had a beaver and I had a beaver and whatever. We were just flipping away. It wasn't like he was getting all the sweet spots. They're just great big mats, and he was just demolishing me. And hmm. he threw me the bait as just a color change, and like I never really believe in that. And uh, you know, I caught me a couple right away on it. I was like, "Woof, you're a little too nice, Bubba." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> Yeah. That's cool though. That's super cool. Yeah. Okay. So Big Sam's no good. <laughs> yeah, I've talked to a couple of buddies that uh, are fishing it and they're struggling in practice. Said it sucks. Yeah. But someone always yeah. catches them there. I'm sure it'll someone will catch eighteen to twenty a day and win. Probably. But Yeah. Yeah. When I was I've, there that... I mean, I've had so many people hit, message me and are like, I'm coming down there. It's been a Bucket list lake for me is Sam Rayburn Lake. I got to get down there and fish. And I'm just like, there's 10 lakes within 20 minutes of that lake that are a thousand times better than Sam Rayburn. Yeah. And that's what happens to tons of these lakes. Like when I, like back in 2014, it was Gunnersville. That's where everyone, right, right. you know, that's where everyone wanted to be. And I actually like talked my wife into driving. There was like 25 hours. And we drove there one like March break. And I was like, okay, we, you get a, uh, you can catch a four pounder every five hours <laughs> and there's 600 other boats. In yeah, every- exactly. And, and you come from a part of the country where they're easy to catch, at least when it's open water, but your season's crazy short. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, not the fun. Southern, the Southern pressure is so much different than anything else that I've experienced on all these fisheries. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, but I got my heaters fired up. I got to just going to go shut this heater off. Deal. <laughs> yeah, you good? You got a refill? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm gonna get a beer. Okay, stand by for a minute. Deal. Sorry, bud. I know your uh, your time's oh, precious. And no, it's all good, man. <laughs> you got places to be, but man, we're up in. Uh, like I said, we're in. A, it's just cold. I'm sitting in the garage, and it's like I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. Probably like 30 degrees out. It's nice. cold. That's, it's not that much warmer here, honestly. It's cold the last few nights. Yeah, I saw some of the opens guys kind of whining about the the temperatures and lots of yeah, lots of, lots of Sims posts. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah, I mean this this weekend it's supposed to get up in the mid eighties again, but yeah, it's been like thirties at night. Huh? Yeah, that ain't really why you moved to Texas. Nah, unless it's like that 
for a consistent period of time, and then those fish start getting suspended and stupid. The giant ones come out. That's when you can light them on fire when they come up yep. off the ball. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's what happened when we caught them at Ivy so good. It was a kind of a perfect storm with everything, with the uh, record cold and everything like that. And the, the lake just sets up better than any live scope lake I've ever seen. Yeah, that's cool. Is it? Can you like still go catch a bass there, or is it just totally depleted? I've heard there's still a couple there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, I'm not going to pack up the wife and drag her down there on, uh, <laughs> on March break. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm not going to say anything about that. We'll, we'll maybe talk privately about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, no, sir. we don't need to don't need to air out any ponds here. We already. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go anywhere in Texas, uh, Sam Rayburn has the best. Uh, Rayburn best is where it's there. at right now for sure. Yep. Yeah. And it will, it'll be great throughout the winter. And then really the summer's great too. Pretty much anytime you can go to Sam Rayburn, it's the best fishery in Texas. Yeah. It should especially be good on the Sunday after the Bassmaster opens this week. Mm -hmm. Definitely. There was a big fish tournament, a couple thousand boats last weekend. So, I mean, between the pressure of that and the the open should be money by then. (laughs) Yeah. That ain't one where I'm like, oh man, I wish I was a big Sam right now. No, man. Definitely not. Huh. Just one of them derby lakes, hey? Definitely. It's uh, it, it, it's surprising they went there this time of year. I mean, they did a couple of years ago, actually, I guess, too. September, I think. But, um, yeah, they really hit it at a bad time. Winter or before June would have been way better. But it's going to be a grind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be fine for them. They'll still like, they'll have the camera there on the last day and they'll still, you know, it's still a big bass lake. So of course excitement there. Yep. Um, but as far as the other 215 anglers goes, <laughs> you're on your own boys. Yep. Definitely. Huh? So you packed up, you know, we're kind of going back here. You packed up from Nebraska. And I told you when I fired up this podcast, I wasn't going to life story you, but I got to find out how you ended up in Texas. Wow, it's all good, man. And kind of why you picked there, uh, other than the obvious big bass. Like you just, you know, you were just, YouTube was growing enough where you could just be like, I'm going to move to the most badass big bass zone I can find. Well, um, so actually, so kind of taking it back a little bit when I was, so I, I went to college, did the college fishing thing, fished the local tournaments. I have a son uh, that's he's 12 now, but then he was, you know, five, six, seven. And I had a, a girlfriend that I was really close with for a couple years by then, uh, and then four, five, six years. And so we want to start a family and stuff together too. Um, and so I, I graduated from college with a degree and I got a job with my degree and I did the typical desk job thing for four years before I started YouTube full time. Um, and my dream was always to fish professionally, um, at, I didn't know, I mean, professionally means a lot of different things now, but, uh, tournament wise, but there wasn't a situation where I had any chance of being able to take five to 12 weeks of work off. I could get like two weeks off. And so that pretty much shut down any type of dream with, fishing ever starts or opens or anything. Um, and so that's when I got on the YouTube thing, hardcore. Um, but I was still fishing those, those local tournaments and everything. Uh, and through, 
through, like I said, just like hustling and grinding and talking to companies and stuff, I became a fan of Sixth Sense Fishing um, in their infancy. They had only been around a few years, but I really liked the couple baits they had and the, the paint schemes and their actions and stuff. So um, I actually reached out to the owner. I was down, we, we traveled for work and I was down in Houston um, traveling and I reached out to the owner. I was like, Hey, um, just want to let you know, I really like your baits and stuff. And this is weird, but I'm down in Houston for the first time ever. I noticed your office is in Conroe. Is there any, do you, do you let people come check out the facility or anything or, or what's up with that? And so he's like, yeah, man, definitely come on in, whatever. I love to meet you. And I, I appreciate the kind words. And so I went and went and kind of toured the facility, which was like one, like 20 by 15 foot warehouse at that point. Um, and like four different baits is all they had. And Casey, the owner let me in and, and we talked and he custom painted baits. And that's one thing I used to make my own tackle, custom paint baits, make my own jigs and kind of, uh, illegally sell them on the side for tournament money. Uh, yeah, man, <laughs> no excise tax for us. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so, so I was big into the custom stuff and that's how six cents started was, was by custom painting, uh, and selling on eBay. And I had already seen these baits and stuff. And so I went there, I was like a kid in the candy store. Cause he had hundreds of like amazingly painted baits laying around. And so we developed a relationship and kind of just kept talking, um, as I was, and they sponsored me with a discount or whatever for when I fished the local tournament stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and when I told Casey, the owner that I was going to do YouTube, um, he's all for it. And he was like, this is awesome. This is, this is way back before anyone knew the power and the selling power of YouTube. And so I started making a couple of videos and I would use the baits and I would catch a lot of fish in the baits and they would sell like crazy. And so he's like, holy shit. And he just started like, as soon as I would sell a lot of baits, he would keep increasing what he would give me baits and financially and our business, their business kept growing my channel kept growing. I started doing it full time and it got to the point uh, where two years ago I began, I uh, became an owner with six cents. And so, yeah. And so six cents being down here and then we started a sunglasses company a couple years ago as well um, called Waterland sunglasses. And so um, what's that said? Shout out Waterland. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, And my wife had gone down with me to Houston. We've, we traveled on vacation down here several times and met with uh, Casey's brother, Garrett, who's an owner as well and, and does operations and stuff in the office and his wife and we all became close. And so uh, it, it made a lot of sense to kind of alleviate those, like I was saying, that period of October until March when it was just terrible fishing outside of ice fishing in Nebraska, where I could just fish 365 days a year, open water and at least have a chance at some decent fishing uh, by coming down here. So yeah, we, about 18 months ago, we made the move. Yeah, man. Well, that makes a pile of sense. Um, and it, man, it's cool. Like I'm in a similar situation on a way smaller scale um, where you can see, you know, your online efforts and your, and your presence online and, you know, your Shopify goes off on your, your Shopify app goes off because of what you did or whatever. Yep. You know, when it's, when you're, you actually have a stake and you know, it seems to like it probably makes you grind a lot harder, you know, for sure. I'm man. sure you have a couple other sponsors, but my guess would be that you're, uh, 
you know, your heart and your efforts are into, uh, into sixth sense right now. hundred percent. Um, and that's somehow, I mean, I was definitely just, I was so lucky to find, uh, it just, it was a perfect mesh. Um, like I said, they're, they, they were really small and then they grew fast and I was small and I was growing fast. Yeah. Uh, and, and having Casey understood, um, the, the power, the selling power of YouTube and, and social media and where the market was going. And so I was just really fortunate to be able to have my work ethic and grind and putting out that much content, um, really super was extremely parallel to where six cents was going as a brand too. Right. And now, I mean, you're probably one of the best guys there are to ask this. Uh, and we might bore the shit out of whoever's listening to this, but Perfect. I kind of I want to just know for me, like, where where do you find the most value? Because, you know, my guess is it wouldn't be in just straight tournament fishermen um, with 40 followers on Instagram or, or you know, on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum – uh, someone on TikTok who just bought a, a you know a fishing rod and a GoPro last week, but is doing like bait spins and piercing their ears with lures that get you know two hundred thousand <laughs> views. I, right. I would imagine that the the optimum value li- lies somewhere in the middle. But like, what uh, what should people be striving for if they're kind of as far as uh, content creator, as far as uh, business as, that's looking for influencers, as uh, for a creator. Like what, yeah. what should someone be striving for? Is it views? Is it is it uh, respect in the fishing industry, or is it a combination? Uh, it's got to be everything, of course. And that, it's kind of like you know, people always ask me, "How did you get in with Six Cents? Like, how did you get sponsored? How are you an owner of the company?" And they they think it's like, well, I reached out to them and asked them last year, and they said that I could be. But it's <laughs> uh, what I tell everyone. You yeah. Uh, yeah, I you won spent, a tournament in Nebraska, and then I sent them an email, and uh, they just handed exactly, me the Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I tell everyone. You, uh, oh, it's an overnight success. You go, and you all you think about is fishing 24-7 for 25 years before you put a camera on your chest, and you dial it in, and you get it completely as close to perfect as you can and know as much as you can and wreck your friendships and relationships and – spend all your money and waste your money and waste your time. And then you can start making videos and content. And at that point, uh, that's when you're able to actually know what you're talking about a little bit. And uh, where I'm guess where I'm going with that is if you don't know what you're talking about, if you don't bring validity, uh, then you're not going to have any selling power. Uh, that, that, and that's one thing as a, as an owner and as someone that deals directly with the marketing with a, a lot of different influencers as an owner, um, there, there's a lot of fluff in a lot of those numbers with views. Um, and a lot of people get a lot of views and you think like, Oh, they, they could be able to sell stuff decent. They kind of know what they're talking about and they can't sell anything. They have no selling power. And then some people get 2000 views every video and don't have a huge following and they can sell better than people to get millions of views. So I guess you, you do want to be somewhere in the middle. Um, people don't want to watch a commercial. People are, are fatigued by ads on social media, on Google, on everything. Um, and so luckily, I haven't had to change my content. From the start, I realized the best thing for me to do was just go out on the water 
explain what I was doing fishing wise, catch a couple of fish. And once you get those fish caught and they see that bait in that fish's mouth, you take it out and you show it to the camera and say, I'm throwing this bait for this reason. It's linked below. Here's the bait. Here's why I picked it and uh, go pick it up if you want to. And that's something that is so simple, but 99% of people just can't do it well. <laughs> they yeah. want to go on TikTok and spend all their time on TikTok, which is fairy dust. TikTok means nothing. Like I don't know of anyone that can sell fishing lures well on TikTok. It, it's just, it's like, a, it's a myth to me. It's, <laughs> I don't even know how to ex- describe it other than uh, you're putting uh, content in front of a bunch of people that don't care about buying something or about fishing in general. And so it's, it's tough to, the, the, yeah, the people spinning lures on their fingers or putting it through their ears. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's not where you should want to be if you want to uh, have any validity and bring any value to a brand, at least not a brand that knows what they're doing. Cause I'm sure there's plenty of brands that have a marketing budget and they see those, those views and they want to throw a little bit of money at it, but everything's long-term in this industry. Uh, that's, I never try to form partnerships even from the start uh, with any companies that I don't see myself working with for a long period of time. And over a long period of time, you're just not going to have any validity if all you have in your back pocket is posting those silly pictures or just posting pictures in general and not having any actual fish catching ability behind that, you know? Yeah, man. I hear that. That's really well said, too. Um, I feel like it wasn't. I feel like it was kind of all over the place. <laughs> but, yeah, no, hopefully people I, I, understand like, what I'm saying. Yeah, I've ripped a few beers sitting here, and I'm, I'm following pretty good still. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, he didn't lose me. <laughs> good, um, good. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, one thing, though, I should mention. So, you know, you say you fire up a video, catch a fish on this bait and show the camera that bait. So where I live, um, you know, especially around like ice fishing, uh, it's so damn good. Mm-hmm. Like you can go catch a fish on anything. Like, you know, cool. anything. Yeah. Um, when you go further north and guys are, you know, I got a buddy that catches them on like hot dogs and whatever else. Like he caught one on a GoPro, a GoPro camera, uh, just in assorted meats. If you want to check that out. <laughs> um, but anyway, awesome. uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we had like a huge influx of YouTubers, not saying that these guys can't catch fish on anything, but like, um, you know, like the, the Googans, um, John B., he actually went ice fishing with him, uh, did like a trip with him. But uh, a lot of those guys like built their winter content around this little like 50 square mile little region we're in up here. Um, you know, it's been, and it's been crazy to watch. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all catching fish and get, you catch it on whatever you want. So it's like the mm-hmm. ultimate playground. So um, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but. I guess just because you catch a fish on something doesn't mean it's necessarily legit. But, you know, if I was watching from a southern state, it'd be like, oh, shit, he caught one on that? Of course, that yeah. Way. Yeah, that's something that I always have to uh, try to wrap my head around in my videos a lot of times. Because there are, especially down here in Texas, there's a lot of days where I'm catching three and four pounders and I'm super disappointed. Um, and I have to remember that's like a really good fish for a lot of people. And so... I mean, there's been days where I've been like, well, shit, I didn't get a video today. I didn't catch anything over four pounds, but I caught 20 fish. And that's like the best day of a lot of people's lives that aren't serious fishermen. So, I mean, 
that's there's always that weird line to walk um, trying to understand how your content can be consumed by different people around the country and different audiences uh, and, and even going back to saying how some of the views are, are fluff and don't matter well if you if you find something with YouTube like this is what I did a lot I, I made a lot of spillway videos a lot of bank fishing videos yeah. and when I'm out there using chicken breast and kool-aid at a spillway i'm not selling very many six cents crankbaits like none but if i get 150,000 views on that video the algorithm is going to send people to my channel so then two videos later when i post that bass fishing video it's going to get 47,000 views instead of 21,000 views and that's going to sell a lot more six cents crankbaits so there's definitely goes both ways but you got to have value at the same time when it comes down to it. Yeah. It's not just about the number. It's, you know, of course. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that now and kind of pulling back and, you know, so that's good to see. Um, did you like, I, I haven't, uh, been like, a been viewing your videos for that long. Like I said, I started around the OHIV thing. Um, you know, and then there's like the, I was like the big three on YouTube would be like John B. Um, who's a good dude, by the way. Uh, you know, not, uh, he's my favorite of the Googans for sure. Um, me too. Yeah. So there's like John B. Perrick, uh, that army guy, the guy that quit the derbies last year, whatever his name mm -hmm. is. Uh, yeah, Bob. And then, and then you, right? Like that would be the mix or am I missing some? As far as bass fishing, YouTubers? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Rob doesn't really make fishing videos much anymore, and Peric doesn't make any videos anymore. But there's there's tip channels that get a lot of views now. So there's those, like Randy Blockett's nonsense. Oh, but, man, that's the best stuff. I was praying my uh, my buddy came down as a co-angler. I was like, please get Randy. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, he got I mean, that. he probably catches some fish. He catches fish. Or he's, I respect him as a tournament fisherman more than most of the YouTube guys, but my God. Yeah, this guy, actually, I got to cut you off on this. You got to hear this story. I was like, I hope you get Randy like, and end up <laughs> up the river and catch one bass like just because the stories would be unbelievable. We got a 28-hour ride home. Like, I want to hear some stories. Oh, God. And, uh, dude, he got the opposite of Randy. He got... Uh, I listened to it. I listened to it today. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Can you believe that, is, that? Sounds terrible, man. Yeah, I'm he, not got, he got. Honestly, I'm not surprised. That, that's that's the type of shit that happens these days. It sucks. Yeah, and like when you see that in these tournaments, like people that are holding tournament anglers in a higher regard than YouTubers, which you know used to be the thing. You see shit like this, and it's like, like I don't even want to be associated with, you know, if that if that's the kind of people that you're that are kind of the face of the sport or coming up in it. Like, I don't even want to be associated with that. It's just, I mean, it's pretty pathetic. Mm -hmm, definitely. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, a lot of the, uh, it sounded like he was a younger guy, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was the archetype man, like, uh, you know, but I'm between jobs right now, uh, going 75 miles an hour in practice, probably fish pre fishing, probably like six and a half hours a day. Uh, you know, dad's Definitely. credit card special. Yep, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, Sad. yeah. 
Randy would have been better. He would have got the mm-hmm. cast all day at least. Definitely. Randy would have probably filled his ear with propaganda the whole day, but besides that, it would have been great. Man, I bet you he was one of the fastest growing YouTubers, though. Randy? Like, in recent times, probably. So, yeah, but, dude, and I, I another thing I respect him for, he puts up, like, two videos a day, and uh, he's gotten to the point where he's figured out that controversy and is his deal and that uh controversy and negativity sells and gets clicks and so it's just like what's the next thing he can complain about or rant about is going to get a lot of views and he's not entertaining when he does it but yeah it's i don't know it is what it is i respect him for for being a not old, but an older gentleman that has put that much time into what he's doing. I always respect that. Yeah. And people don't realize they're like, how the hell does Randy Boca get 40,000 views every video? Like his videos are dog shit. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, Randy. Like, I, I mean, you're not putting a whole lot of editing quality into them. Let's be honest here. Um, but people don't realize, like once I started looking at, you know, how things work and, you know, what a comment does. It really doesn't matter whether it's a negative or a positive comment. If you can get someone to comment, it's going to start snowballing. Right. And, and it seems like he unlocked that, you know, as, as well as anyone has. Yeah. But, I mean, there's there's not very many. It helps it. I mean, he's a retired fisherman uh, tournament guy. So it helps that uh, he's able to have the time to do that because I think there's plenty of guys that fish tournaments that are – you know, substantially more uh, popular than he is or ever was, but they, and they make YouTube videos and they're better YouTube videos. They just don't have the time to make every single day or multiple mm-hmm. times a day. So yeah. plus they, they probably aren't that there's not too many people. I feel like in the fishing industry that um, are, are at that level and have the level of respect that a lot of older um, journeymen tournament fishermen have that are willing to, put out some of the nonsense that he says. So he's definitely, uh, he's figured out his niche for sure. Yeah. It's gotta be tough though. Like just, and you know, I'm guilty of it too. Like, uh, getting someone to click on your video is a, is a big thing. You put a lot of effort into this stuff and you need someone to click, but like, I'm guilty of the last one. Like I, you know, that last podcast, I put the headline, you know, his live scope died. So he quit. Um, and it's like, okay, that's a, you know, it's a negative thing singled the guy out didn't really mean to like you know didn't drop his name or anything but it's if i wouldn't have put that and i would have just put uh interview with the co-angler like it would have had 343 views exactly and that's uh that's a, a a line i've had to walk forever too with my content is you know everything is clickbait most of it uh but what degree i get is it clickbait if it's if there's truth to it or I don't even know what what, what click uh, you get comment. Oh, that's clickbait. That's why you you were misleading. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying things in the title that didn't happen in the video, but you have you have to think of a, a clever way to word things to stand out, or you're not going to get any clicks at all. Yeah, goddamn, or you're good at that too. <laughs> that's a huge dude. It's a huge part of it. That's that's I mean, yeah. that's, that's as important as anything, honestly. It's yeah. not as important as, as having solid videos and knowing what you're talking about, but it's damn close. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, the, the more I do it, the more I see it 
and you know you pan through it and like you seem to have her dialed in as as good as anyone and then when they click they're you know they're not disappointed of course yeah you know yeah so that you know that seems to be a good recipe definitely i think and dude when i started uh when i started youtubing and you know i kind of I saw the writing on the wall a little bit. I didn't start as early as a lot of these guys and, you know, my channel kind of reflects it and I just, I don't put the work in that I should. Um, but like, uh, Jay Siemens is a, is a full-time YouTuber. I don't know if you've heard of him, but yeah, we I live talked in, to Jay a few times actually. Yeah. So he's a good dude. Really uh, good dude. Live, yep. Live in, live in the same town. Um, that's, cool. you know, been, been fishing with him a few times. Like I said, we're in like a juicy little area here. Um, and I found myself like getting jealous. I was like, damn it. Like this guy's not getting up till 11 and then, you know, then he's going fishing Monday to Friday. I was like, you know, probably hasn't worked in two years. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> You know, you, Definitely. you go win as many tournaments as you want all summer. Like no one really cares. It's not going to get you anywhere in the industry. And, uh, you know, Jay's just lighting the industry on fire, literally in my backyard, like tearing it up. And, you know, he helped me along and like showed me a few things and, um, that's cool. You know, I started rolling and, and knowing full well, like, I'm like, I'm going to get chirped by my buddies for sure. Like that was, that was the big thing. I was like, I don't know if I can handle, you know, the chirps from buddies and like coworkers and things like that. But, um, obviously you guys got past that before. I did and you know would have swallowed my pride a while ago probably be a lot better off yeah I mean possibly you never know but yeah that's I mean it's the same thing with anything you if it's if it's something different that people don't understand you're gonna hear about it and people aren't gonna understand it but um that's so that's a hurdle I definitely had to get over to but I had a good support system and I honestly just kind of put my head down and just grinded and didn't care what people said yeah did you did you have like close buddies chirping you or were they like pretty supportive or how did that everyone happen? was pretty supportive for sure from the start well a couple of my buddies were like you know how stupid you look with a chess camera on while you're trying to fish dude but at the same time like I wasn't the guy ever from the start that was like over commercial like salesmen bullshitting I was just myself like taking pulls of whiskey out on the boat and you know filming videos of us getting hammered at the boat ramp at night and saying stupid stuff and swearing and like i'm i just i never was gonna fake it at all and so they're like "Eh, whatever if you want to do it do it and uh every single one of them that gave me a hard time about of course is they support the shit out of me now and they think it's awesome and they're always first to comment and tell me congratulations and they're they are proud of me and stuff. So, yeah. 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 Oh, I like that. And, you know, I, I wish I would have known that it would have been as mild as it was like, you know, I'm sure there's been like, there's been some behind the back stuff a little bit, but like, you know, just, just minor stuff. But I mean, that that was a big hold up for me. And actually my, my tournament partner just walked into the, uh, into the garage here and I'm laughing because, you know, he's like a super quiet guy. Like what, you know, if he caught a big one in the day, he wouldn't even go up on the stage and weigh it in. And uh, when I first started YouTubing, I'd put a a GoPro on like the Talon, you know, and we'd go fish these tournaments and these guys aren't used to YouTubing. So 
I had a few partners over the years or over the course of the year, like the first year of, of YouTubing fishing tournaments. And uh, they'd go to the back of the boat to uh, relieve themselves. <laughs> Dude, I'd be, I'd be going shot. through. Yeah, I'd be going through the clips and like, oh, yep, yeah, there's his hammer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I told him I was going to start a website. Yeah, partnersdays.com. Yeah. Perfect. So if you got any Love contributions, it. yeah, we'll fire that up. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but but anyway, I do that. Here. I do that sometimes because I got the dash camera usually going, and I I edit most of the stuff um, that yeah. I film when when Cole's not with me if he's editing or something. But I'll I'll whip it out and just be peeing over the side. I'm like, oh shit, I'm not editing this video. I'm have to go cut that clip and delete it quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's it's no shock to him by now. No, definitely not. Some of the shitty season here is probably getting me in jail. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, man, that's good stuff. What's uh, <laughs> what's on the cooker for the winter? You want to come ice fishing? Honestly, I, I I've been like last year. People were like, "Oh, you moved to Texas. You're still gonna have ice fishing videos this year, right?" And I was just like, huh, "No, never again." <laughs> but now, honestly, okay. So we went to uh, the Black Hills in South Dakota. If you're familiar with that at all, probably not. You're a long ways. From I'm not, there, but, but that sounds badass. Yeah, it was just it's it was kind of mountainy. It's it's by the Rocky Mountains, and it's a area and uh it's got a lot of trout streams and stuff in it we we were just out there the last week we drove up there um with my wife and my two sons and the the fishing and stuff up there and the scenery reminded me so much of the trout fishing stuff we did in wyoming through the ice uh that i really want to actually this winter so man i'd be down to go up there for sure yeah man hell of a hell of a flight to get there though man that's you're up there yeah yeah we're up there we're uh i mean we're about like seven hours north of minneapolis six seven hours north of minneapolis oh, that, that's all the further you are that's not too bad yeah it's not like the road only goes so far you know yeah yeah no, so, there's no roads after a certain point yeah and i mean we we fluff it up and make it sound a lot worse than it is um you know i got like you you can still go get a coffee and an egg or that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Living in igloos. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that's, that sounds fun though, man. What, what species do you usually fish for through the ice? A little bit of everything. Uh, lake trout is, is like the big one that, uh, is kind of an exotic to a lot of people. Um, yeah. I've never and, caught a big know, lake trout. I've caught a couple of like two, three pounders. So that'd be cool. Yeah. So, the, yeah, I mean, like a big one is kind of as close as you can get to like a saltwater fight mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like they go bananas. And then, you know, walleye, crappie, perch, pike. That's kind of the standard, you know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but it's Sounds pretty quality. So, yeah. yeah. You got lots Deal. of time to think about it because we're going to be froze up for like the next six months. Good. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you already frozen up there? Uh, no, there's like a couple of the ponds have started to freeze. Um. We've got one one very small tournament coming up this weekend, and then that'll kind of be it. Usually, gotcha. like mid mid November, we'll start creeping out ice fishing. Gotcha. So, and then That's it'll be cool. that way till like early May kind of deal. Uh huh. Yeah. Got it. That's cool. Yeah. So we're usually raring to go by the time that sucker comes off. I believe it. I couldn't do that, man. That's. I, I enjoy ice fishing. I really do, and I we got decent at it, and 
we traveled all over and did it and got all the gear for it. You know, that's half the damn battle is having the shit to find fish and keep you warm. And once you have yeah. that, it's you go out and pan around a little bit and find them and catch them. Yeah. Life scope sure like made life a lot easier. I got a graveyard of augers up here. We used to go have to go drill a hundred or hundred and fifty holes every day and an ice auger would last Ooh. like half the season. Of course. But, yeah, live scope saved that quite a bit. Yeah, been there. I know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, bud. No, we'll dial her up. Um, yeah, what else do I got to ask you? Oh, um, we got to thumbnail this video. You're the thumbnail king. I got this written down. It's one of the only things I've written down. Oh, God. How, what would you do? What would for, you call it? For a it? thumbnail? You got, you got like the beautiful mind when it comes to dialing up fun <laughs> thumbnails, so I got to hit you up. Uh, well, if you, I would title it like Ben Melikin calls out fake YouTubers or something stupid like that, and then oh, I have me making like a stupid face and like blow makes up me your look, head makes me look mad. Yeah, perfect. Okay, boom. Let me write that down. <laughs> ben Milliken wants to street fight Randy Blokit. Ben Milliken gets drunk. Fights Randy Blockett. <laughs> Who wins? Exclamation mark. Question mark. <laughs> Perfect. That'll, that'll go great. Oh, that's good, bud. That's good. Um, yeah, man. Well, thanks for coming on, bud. Absolutely. Anybody, Had a good anything time. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, um, like you're doing me a favor jumping on this thing. I, you know, my YouTube pales in comparison to to yours i don't really have anything i can offer you here um so you know you're you're throwing me a line and i just want to say i appreciate that like uh you know you and and all the beauty elite guys and uh like guys like pat have uh you know kind of been keeping my ass afloat and and dragging me into the industry a little bit so just want to say thanks for that for sure, man. Anytime you want me to come on, just let me know and I'll I'll make time to do it, man. I have a really good time coming on and talking to you guys. I always like to meet new people in the industry and uh I definitely heard a lot of good things about you and, and, and listen to the podcast and I enjoy it and keep keep on doing it, man. Keep just keep your head down and go. That's it there's so many different ways for people to get into the industry these days. Um it's it's harder than ever, but there's more opportunity than ever all the time with every different platform. So you're definitely doing the right thing, um, and I enjoy the podcast a lot. I tried to do a podcast for a little bit, and I just flat out didn't enjoy doing it. It wasn't my avenue. Um, it felt like work, and it felt forced because a lot of people were doing podcasts, and I thought that it would be good to do it too. Right, uh, and it would add value to my brand. And I realized, you know, there's so much more value of my time to keep building upon the keep the train rolling with YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and everything I'm doing on there that it just wasn't worth it for me, but you've clearly found your niche here, man. And I think that's the biggest thing for anybody watching that wants to get into the industry. Um, I didn't think it was possible to get in the industry without fishing tournaments back when I started the YouTube thing and just by hard work and doing things, thinking a little bit outside the box, um, I was able to find my way into the industry. So um, for anyone that's watching that wants to get in the industry, and I'm sure that's probably a lot of people that are in it, uh, 
just think outside the box, try all sorts of different things and see what works the best and what you'll enjoy the most and follow that path. I like that. I like that. Good way to end her, bud. Those are, uh, sure, man. Those are good words. And, uh, yeah, dude, thanks again. And like I said, you got, I got my email address. So if you want to come ice fishing, what do let's do it, man. I, I need to figure out my winter. I still, I'm all over the place. I'm going, going out of town for a week and a half next week. And the Texas live scope winter stuff is crazy. So it's hard to get away from that, but I need to, I, I want to do the ice fishing stuff. So let's stay in touch and make that happen, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Like I said, you got six months to, uh, <laughs> to figure your shit out and make it happen. I'm on a tough bite. I'll blast up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, for anyone wanting to go down to uh, to Texas to Sam Rayburn this winter, um, hit up Ben Milliken. He answers hit his me Instagram up. messages for some reason. Yep, twenty five hundred a day, best fishing of your life. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see a couple gar and catfish on live scope. You'll, you'll learn so much. All right, bud. The calls are going to start rolling in. <laughs> Perfect. Can't wait. Okay. Thanks again, man. All right, we'll, man. Thanks, uh, Jamie. We'll keep in touch. Okay. Sounds good, man. Take care. See you.